Welcome back to where heaven and earth are touching for Parashat Vayetzeh. Today's Agadah is from Masechet Yoma 86a. There, the Gemara asks, What are situations that cause a chilel Hashem, that cause a desecration of God's name? Rav said, For example, someone like me, if I take meat from the butcher and do not give him money immediately. Rabbi Yochanan said further down in the daf, What is an example of a chilel Hashem? For someone like me, it would be if I were to walk four cubits without Torah and without tefillinan. In Yitzchak, from the school of Rav Yanai, said any case where one's friends are embarrassed on account of his reputation, this is a Chilol Hashem. Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak said it's a Chilol Hashem when people say, may his master forgive so-and-so for this action we have seen. And Abaye said it was taught in a Breita, you shall love Hashem, your God, which means that we should work to make the name of heaven beloved, we should do a Kiddush Hashem. One should do so, that he should read Torah and learn Mishnah and serve Torah scholars, and he should be pleasant with people when he does business. Therefore, what will they say about such a person? Fortunate is the one who taught him Torah. Fortunate is his parents. And woe to the people who have not done so. The ones who taught him Torah, see how pleasant are his ways, how proper are his deeds. But one who does read Torah and one who learns Mishnah and serves scholars, but his business practices are not done properly and does not speak pleasantly with people, what do the people say about him? Woe to this person who studied Torah. Woe to his father and woe to his teacher. See how destructive are his deeds and how ugly are his ways. We see from the Sagadah a dual message about Achillel Hashem, the desecration of Hashem's name through our behavior. First, unfair as it may be, there's a subjective standard. Rav and Rav Yochanan pointed to examples that would apply to them, implying perhaps not to others. Rabbi Yitzchak then provides a broader application of this subjectivity. Any situation, if you were to hear about it, you'd be ashamed. Second, the Gemara's reference to the importance of one's business practices being conducted in an upright and pleasant manner. Once again, perhaps unfairly, even our demeanor as we go through our professional lives can be a reflection of how people react to Bnei Israel. Therefore, we are left with a clear lesson to the sensitivity and mindfulness we must not just have in our actions, but in our attitudes as well. With this backdrop, I'd like to propose perhaps a controversial question. In our parsha, we see that Yaakov leaves Lavan's house with his family without telling Lavan. Lavan is upset once he chases down Yaakov. And Lavan says, perhaps disingenuously, but he says that if he had known Yaakov wanted to leave, he would have sent him off properly. Finally, he notes that the only reason he's not harming Yaakov for this action is that Hashem told him not to. Clearly then, Levit had some sort of respect for Hashem, given that he listened. The parsha makes it clear that Yaakov's religious and spiritual identity were not a secret, nor was his professional reputation impugned in the slightest. Therefore, my question is, was Yaakov's choice to leave without telling Lavan Achilel Hashem. Once I thought of this question, I actually struggled to come up with an answer. On the surface, it seemed as if it should be one. If an employee just stopped showing up to work, we'd view that as an obvious Chal Hashem, let alone if it was taking his family along with him. Yet, as I thought more, I realized the answer was actually an obvious one. For Yaakov, the subjective understanding of Achilel Hashem was different. Yaakov's constant behavior, his constant actions, his constant manner in dealing with people was so upstanding, so unimpeachable, that he was a constant Kiddush Hashem. There was no way his behavior could ever be considered a Chilol Hashem. 
While this lofty level would be laudable goal on its own, where do we find support? We find it from the moment that Yaakov left home. Hashem says to him that he is with Yaakov and he will be with Yaakov. Then when Yaakov is to return, Hashem says again, I am with you. Interestingly, at this time, Hashem also says to Yaakov, you made a vow to me, now come back and fulfill it. And what was that vow? After the initial dream with the angels in the ladder, Yaakov wakes up and takes a vow to Hashem, saying that if Hashem is with him, if Hashem protects him, if Hashem takes care of him, including bringing him home, Hashem will be Yaakov's God. There will be nothing else, and Yaakov will one day set up Hashem's home in Eretz Yisrael and dedicate himself to Hashem. We can intuit from the opening and closing interactions between Hashem and Yaakov at the start and end of the parasha, respectively. Yaakov remained fully committed to this high level of commitment to Hashem. There was never a moment that his behavior caused Hashem to turn his face or seem hidden. We see from elsewhere in Tanakh and throughout Mishnah and Gemara, there are plenty of behaviors and attitudes that people adopted that drove a wedge in their relationship with Hashem. However, this was not the case for Yaakov. As we said earlier, his entire being was such a high level, so clearly intertwined with Hashem. It was also clear that anything he was doing was not only a kid Hashem, but it could not be a Chalal Hashem in any circumstance. Ultimately, this is why Hashem speaks to Lavan and tells Lavan not to harm Yaakov. His actions and his motives were pure, being done for the sake of sanctity and for Hashem. Accordingly, this powerful idea of being on the level of Yaakov, behaving in such a way that it is so irreproachable that others cannot help but know your actions, are a Kiddush Hashem, is a daunting one, but nevertheless one that we can strive for, and in doing so, we can truly be not just a light to ourselves, but a light to the nations as well. Shabbat Shalom.